fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. The countdown is on. We are only eight days away from opening day, and we are uh, wrapping up the close of spring training. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. From my home in Washington, D.C., I am Bobby Blanco, soon to be joined by Amy Jennings via Zoom call. Thanks so much for tuning in, making us a part of your rainy, gross, cold Wednesday afternoon. We hope we'll bring some warmth and sunshine into your life this afternoon, uh, talking about Nationals baseball and getting ready for the start of the 2021 regular season. Uh, if you aren't already, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Nationals pod, uh, Mass and All Access Podcast Nationals on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud as I bring in Amy Jennings um, via a Zoom call. And you also hopefully are tuning in live on Facebook uh, YouTube, Masson Nationals, Twitter account, wherever you can find um, our social media channels. You can also find the Masson All Access podcast. Um, Amy, I am rocking our Maryland red today. Uh, you wore your red sweatshirt last week. Um, our boys fought valiantly. Uh, they fell to Alabama in the round of 32. But I'm also rocking it today because we got to support the ladies. They play Alabama in a revenge game uh, just this afternoon uh, with a chance to go to the Sweet 16. That's right, Bobby. I'm excited. I think kind of all along we knew if one team was going to do it, it was going to be our women. So right. that'll be exciting to watch. We got to we got to get going here uh, uh, so we can turn them on as soon as we're done. Yeah. Did you get your fix of basketball this weekend uh, with March Madness underway? Both men oh, and I did. women? And it, it, yeah. And it wasn't dull, was it? Oh, oh, my gosh. I mean, it never is. Right. March is never dull. But this year seems to be especially exciting. I think also not having a tournament last year. Uh, that plays a huge part into it too. But yeah, I mean, we've got a 15 seed in the uh, round of Sweet 16, uh, a bunch of double digit seeds getting in there. Uh, it's been so exciting. I don't think I've watched as much of the tournament as I have this past year, working from home, being at mostly right, on the and weekend. Being like, and being interested and locked into games, yeah. right? Well, also, like in past tournaments, like it starts usually on a Thursday, Friday, and, you know, you, you know back then we'd be going into the office and have to go to work. Uh, look at uh, normally and this is obviously the heart of spring training for us uh, but being working from home you know can plop on the couch put the game on and work from a laptop and and I I watched almost I, I can honestly say I watched a little bit of every single game that was played over the weekend which yeah. is a good and bad thing I would think I mean I was not too productive outside of my normal work stuff otherwise <laughs> but uh, I love March Madness and it was a lot of fun um, but Baseball, now the page flips to baseball. Like I said, we are just eight days away. Next Thursday is opening day. Um, we have a lot to get to today in the podcast. Um, the heart of our order today is going to be our final roster crunches, uh, roster battles going for the Nationals down in West Palm Beach um, as they wrap up spring training in, in, uh, over this upcoming weekend. Um, we've got some news and notes to get to first, though, Amy. Um, the big news is that, once again, asking you shall receive... Masson is going to be airing two spring training games, the last two spring training games for the Nationals, this upcoming Sunday at 1 o'clock uh, against the Cardinals, and then also the following day on Monday, March 29th, 1 o'clock, the finale against the Astros before the Nats pack up and come home from West Palm Beach and get ready to open up the season against the Mets. Big news, Bob and FP will be back on the call for you, um, and uh, it's nice that we'll be taking you right into opening day uh, and finally get some spring training games on the air. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, maybe part of the reason we've been watching so much basketball this year is because we haven't had the Nationals on TV. Um, but I guess no better time than the last two games of spring training uh, uh, to be able to watch them. And you're going to see probably the closest to the opening day lineup roster construction um, in those last two games. So that'll be exciting, exciting for Nats fans at home. Uh, we won't be all you have. You'll not have to keep just listening to us. You'll actually get to see them play. So it'll be exciting. Um, and we're just, we're shooting so close to the start of the season. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the, it's it's not like, you know, in past couple of years where Madison would broadcast seven games over the course of the entire spring training, a lot of those early games you might see a lot of like minor leaguers and non-roster invitees play the majority of the game. These last two games are the final tune-ups for the regular season, so you're going to see guys like Juan Soto, Trey Turner play almost the entire game before uh, they maybe leave like later in the game. They're going to get their three or four at-bats to finally get ready for the regular season. So it's going to feel like a real game. And of course the Cardinals and the Astros, both teams that are looking to compete this year too, will be doing the same. So it should be some highly competitive baseball to close out spring training. So that should be exciting too. And of course, uh, opening night will be on ESPN nationally televised game. So Masson won't have another broadcast until game two on Saturday of the regular season, but you will have, you'll hear Bob and FP, um, on the 28th and the 29th upcoming this week. Um, all right, one more, some other news and notes to get to. Um, and this is a, a, a little bit of a, on the more serious side, Amy. Um, Will Harris, last Friday, diagnosed with a blood clot in his right arm. And um, I don't know too much about blood clots. I know that they are very serious. And so, you know, this is uh, obviously a scary situation for Will Harris and his family. I know he's seeing a specialist in St. Louis about it. I have not heard or seen too many updates since then. Uh, baseball issues aside, this is a scary issue for, for Will Harris, um, a blood clot in his right arm. And then we can also touch on what it means for the baseball side of things too in a little bit. Right, I know. We just talked about the bullpen last week and then something like this, obviously, is really serious um, no matter how big or small the blood clot is, um, especially being there in his arm so close to his heart. Um, but I guess he's probably counting his blessings because, you know, maybe he's he's not a baseball player. He's not seeing doctors regularly. Maybe they don't catch this. Um, so he's probably counting his blessings that they caught it. Um, and, of course, seeing a specialist now, figuring out what to do. Bobby, have there been any updates on what the plan is for him? I haven't heard anything. No, I mean, I think and I'm pretty sure he's not even back at camp yet. Um, I, I know. I mean, it, Obviously, it's a health reason, too. So the Nationals and Davey Martinez don't want to say anything without full information. Obviously, there's also mm -hmm. some privacy issues going on, you know, it being a health and not like injury related. Um, so, no, I, I have not heard too much um, in terms of his uh, status update. Uh, what we do know is that because it's a health issue thing and not an injury, you know, like if this was an injury, like an ankle sprain or something, we could put a timeline on it. Right. We could see, OK, he'll be out two to three weeks or he might be able to make it back before opening day. With a health issue like this, I, there's no timeline for his return, which is an, another scary part, both on we don't know how long it's going to take to treat this thing and, and two, how the Nationals are going to fill his spot in the bullpen because, you know, it's a scary situation, but the Nationals still have to play uh, right. and, and open the season. So this is another bullpen spot. It's funny. We talked about the bullpen last week, Amy, how this is the deepest bullpen the Nationals might have ever had to start a season. And now two spots are wide open. Of course, Jeremy Jeffers was released earlier in spring training due to personnel reasons. And now Will Harris doesn't look like he'll start the season on the opening day roster. So that opens up another door for someone to uh, crack the roster uh, and, and have to pitch significant games. We talked about it last week. We don't know the arm statuses of, of, the, uh, of the starting rotation, right? We don't know how deep they are prepared to go. So this bullpen might be counted on a bunch early on in the season. 
Um, and Will Harris was going to be a major factor in that. And now that he is uncertain to start the season with the roster, it's another spot that someone's going to have to take up and eat important innings. Um, so a scary situation, of course. We wish Will Harris the best. Hope, hopefully a speedy recovery and they figure out the solution. Again, I am no doctor. I do not know how blood clots work or how they are treated. Um, so hopefully he gets that taken care of and we'll see him back in a Nationals uniform soon. Um, on the plus side, though, on the bonus, uh, on, the, on a positive note for the bullpen, Tanner Rainey made his first spring training debut, and that came on Sunday. And it wasn't a great outing, Amy, uh, at least by Tanner Rainey's standpoint. Uh, but the fact that he was got out on a mound in a game situation and was able to get out of it healthy and feeling good, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And that's what the Nationals were looking for. Right, exactly. Through 22 pitches, seven for strikes. He got a strikeout uh, and then gave up three walks. But the most important thing is getting out there. I mean, he was only going to pitch an inning. That was the plan. Um, and it's just getting out there. And the, the more he pitches, obviously, the better he'll get, the better he'll get. Um, this is Tanner Rainey, a guy that they're going to count on a lot, especially with Will Harris out uh, to, to start the season, most likely. Uh, they're going to turn to Tanner Rainey. So it's important that over this next week, he's really amping things up. Um, and I would imagine he wants to get as many innings in as he can, throw as many pitches as he can, so he's ready to start the season. Yeah, and another thing to, to make a note here is that, yes, he I think he only threw like six strikes total in that outing, like you said, um, and his velocity was down. It was not it was not near the you know upper 90s where we've seen him throw consistently. It was in the lower 90s, and that is some cause for concern. I will say that Davey Martinez pointed out after the game that that is how Tanner Rainey operates. That's how he works up and ramps up. Um, he said the same thing happened last summer uh, in summer camp when they were trying to get ready for the shortened season. And uh, uh, Tanner Rainey, his fastball velocity was was way lower than normally be, and it took him only a couple of outings to get back up to the upper 90s. So the good news is it sounds like Tanner Rainey is used to uh, ramping up pretty quickly. And he's going to have to because he, the, while he does have time, it's not that much time. He's going to have to pitch in a couple more games here da, down in Florida before coming up um, and hopefully get his uh, arm strength back up to where it's be and where the velocity where we're going to accustom to seeing it. So the good news is that he's done it before. Uh, it's kind of how he operates. That's how he get, gets ready for a season. The bad news is that he's got a small window to do it, and he has to hit that window. If he doesn't hit that window – um, we might be looking at another spot that is not fully operational. He'll probably make the opening day roster still, uh, assuming everything is healthy. Uh, he did come out of the game feeling fine. Uh, he said he was feeling great. Arm was no problem. Uh, that muscle strain underneath his collarbone. Um, but he, he's got to hit this small window and get ramped up uh, in time for opening day because now, especially with Bill Harris out, the Nationals are going to need Tanner Rainey to step in um, and, and pitch some important innings early on in the season, probably seventh, eighth innings, get out of jams like we talked about last week. So uh, he's got time, but he, he's got to be able to make sure that he, he's locked in uh, before April 1st. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing we saw with John Lester in his first outing since he had – his, his thyroid gland removed, his velocity is, is still way lower than you'd like it to be. Um, and of course, they're not going to come in for his outing and just, you know, be throwing the ball as hard as they can. Yeah, you have to you have to work up and you're not you're not, at, you know, opening day form. But we're also a week, you know, away. So it's when you get that late start, you're that much farther behind the ball. So he's going to have to amp things up quickly. Um, the good news is with with the bullpen, you have a lot of flexibility. You have a lot more arms. Um, and where with, with John Lester is they need him to be ready here pretty soon. Um, pretty soon. Yeah. 
and, and we'll talk about the, the other bullpen arms that might now have an opening uh, to make the opening day roster uh, with Will Harris being out and maybe Tanner Rainey a little uh, sore or, or still ramping up. Uh, but one more news of note before we get into the roster battles, and I mean, it's last but certainly not least, definitely worth mentioning is Max Scherzer being named opening day starter. I believe it's the fourth time in the last five years that he's been the Nationals opening day starter. Um, this was kind of, I don't think there was ever a doubt, Max, even with the sprained ankle entering spring training, uh, Max was always looking forward to this start. He's ramping up. He uh, pitched in the other day and looked strong, went deep into the game. Um, and it's funny that his uh, last second, which would have been his second to last start in spring training, he's going to make one more, but came against Jacob deGrom and the Mets, who, of course, we know that's, that's who he'll face opening night at Nationals Park uh, next Thursday. That's going to be an awesome matchup. I'm excited for that. But, yeah, it was kind of – we saw this one coming, Bobby. I don't know. Was anybody too, too no, surprised? No, was never really a doubt. <laughs> as long as he's healthy, as long as he was healthy, he, he was going to be the one to make that start. Yeah, it was more of a, a formality than anything. And uh, Davey Martinez making it official the other day that Max Scherzer will be named opening day starter. Well, maybe after that, maybe what's more interesting is that how Davey Martinez is going to line up uh, the rest of the rotation because he hinted at that he might not want Patrick Corbin and John Lester pitching back-to-back days as both left-handers. So could we see Patrick Corbin slide up to the number two spot and Steven Strasburg move down to number three to break out the lefties? I'll be interesting to say, and, and, and of course, you know, the first week or so, you get two off days, so you can space guys out a little easier. The, the, the opponents are not going to be easy. The Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, those are your first four matchups to start the season. Um, but you have the opening day, uh, I guess, breathing room day, off day the, on April 2nd. The following Thursday is an off day for the Nationals before they head out west. Um, so they've got some chance. They got an opportunity to be a little flexible here with the rotation. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Davey actually does uh, move Patrick Corbin up and slot Steven Strasburg in the three hole uh, as opposed to the typical Scherzer Strasburg Corbin uh, lineup that we that we had thought. Um, okay, so that's the kind of the news and notes to wrap up the weekend and uh, what was now going to be the penultimate weekend of spring training before this upcoming weekend. Now let's get into uh, the heart of our order, the heart of our conversation, the roster battles. And Amy, when we talked about, you know, started prepping for this podcast, of course, this was something that we were always going to talk about, but it had to be jumped up the list because of some news uh, coming out uh, just a couple days ago, uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, with Starling Castro starting at third base. We were always going to talk about uh, Carter Keeboom and how he has looked at third base and if he's going to lock down that position and be the opening day third baseman. Uh, David Martinez Last week was asked uh, if anyone else is taking grounders at third base at the time. He said just Josh Harrison on occasional, Adrian Sanchez. Uh, someone asked if Luis Garcia could play third base. He said he has not played third base, but he thinks that he could, but they're only playing him at short and second. Then someone asked about Starling Castro, and Davey Martinez said no, but not yet. And lo and behold, uh, on Tuesday, Starlin Castro was the starting third baseman and made some couple of nice plays. So this had to be jumped up our list. Is, is Carter Keeboom locked in at third base, or should he be looking over his shoulder as someone who is going to maybe have to be replaced on the open day roster by another third baseman? Right. I mean, it's 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 this is such a hard conversation because they're so this organization just keeps saying over and over he he's locked in. That's our guy. That's our guy. He's you know, we're all in on Carter Keyboom. 
But really, we knew that he wasn't going to come into spring training and just light the world on fire. I mean, I just don't think that's realistic with what we've seen from Carter Keyboom so far. So I think to say that he he's locked in is kind of unrealistic, um, especially with the numbers he's put up this spring. I mean, he's hitting 167 with a 211 on-base percentage and a 278 slugging percentage. So it's not like he came in and, and he's hitting the ball. Now, I did have a good weekend, a couple doubles, which is good. Um but it's, I don't think it was ever truly a lock-in the way they say it was. I mean, they couldn't. They couldn't be impressed with what they saw this spring or so far in Carter Keyboom's outings, obviously. Now, at the same time, I don't know how much we can read into to Starling Castro playing starting one game there in the spring. Um, I think at, at some point they were going to get him some reps there, uh, let him take 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 some grounders because I mean, realistically at some point he has to be an option. I mean, with the way Carter Keyboom's playing, he has to be an option. So I don't know if one start there, how much you can read into it, because I think at some point they were going to have to get some looks at somebody else there uh, realistically, but it is, it's just such a difficult conversation because they say it's locked in, it's locked in, but is he really your opening day starting third baseman? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and this is a question that Mark Zuckerman posed on MadisonSports.com when you were up in Argyle yesterday uh, as Keyboom struggles. Nats looking at Castro at third base. To quote Mark, the Nationals may not have made any final decision on the identity of their opening night third baseman, but this much they've clearly decided. Carter Keyboom hasn't locked up a job that was all but handed to him on a platter all spring and winter. Despite opportunities throughout the offseason to seek a more established alternative at third base, general manager Mike Rizzo stuck with his 2016 first-round pick despite his uninspired offensive numbers over 165 big league plate appearances. And you mentioned, uh, Amy, uh, that you know the Nationals have stuck by uh, Carter Keepham. This is something that, to Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez's credit, they have always said the right thing. They have always said uh, that he is our guy. We, we trust him. We believe in him. And they've given him plenty of opportunities. It's not like we're talking about, well, he was tossed around between the minor leagues and the major leagues. He went up and down a bunch. He didn't get, when he was with the major leagues, he didn't get the chance to play or start. He was always coming off the bench. No, he's had opportunities to take this job. And um, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to grasp hold of it. And we've gone all spring training, pretty much waiting for him to kind of uh, turn on the green light and, and get going and become the offensive player and defensive player. He's made some struggles over at third base so far in spring training that we all anticipated that he would. Um, and it just hasn't panned out that way. And again, to Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez credit, they are are doing their best to stand by him. But Amy, you say that, you know, you don't read too much into the Starling Castro starting at third base. I, I, I disagree. I read a lot into that because it was just last week that Davey said, no, Starling Castro is not going to play third base. We're not going to take grounders. And then over the weekend, he took grounders and then made a start. It was only one start, um, but Starling Castro looked good. He had to leave the game early due to a cramp, uh, um, but he uh, looked fine. He, he was hitting the ball. Starling has had a great spring training. Uh, he has played 45 games at third base back in 2019 with the Marlins. So it's a position he's not completely unfamiliar with. Uh, I, I think that there is something to be read into there. Now, the major part of the question, and we're going to hear from David Martinez in just a bit, is why did it take so long to do this? Um, they were really counting on Carter Keboom to to take this position and run with it um, and become the everyday starting third baseman. Now we're a week away from spring training and they're, trying to make a switch. They're just trying to see how Starling Castro looks. So uh, I, I think there's something to be read into there. If this, we obviously would have read way more into it uh, earlier on in the, off, in, in the spring training, but 
the fact that they're a week away and they're taking at bats and reps away from Carter Keboom with a week to go in spring training, I think it's pretty eye-opening. I think it's not quite hitting the panic button, but it's admitting that this might not go as swimmingly as they had hoped in terms of Carter Keboom being the everyday third baseman. Yeah, I just don't see how going into the spring, how they really, I mean, you know, saying the opposite of what they've been saying, but I don't see how they realistically thought that he 100% that was his job and they weren't going to take a look at anybody else there. You know, I think maybe his numbers, especially his offensive numbers this spring, maybe only reinforce that. Now they're saying like, yeah, maybe in a game situation, let, let's get Starling Castro some looks at third um, just because this is maybe kind of how we expected it to play out. I just don't know how you can realist. I mean, I, it's tough because he was such a highly touted prospect and you expect so much out of him. And, you know, they didn't go after, end up going after a third baseman on the market, whether that was because they couldn't afford it or really had that much faith in, in Carter Keyboom is, you know, not my question to answer, but I just don't know how you expect him to actually come into spring training. And that is 100% your guy and not actually think you're not going to get any looks at anybody else at their base. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to that point, and, and Davey's going to address that too in just a second, but you know, they did say, I mean, he's a starter, but he still has to earn the job, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like Carter can go out and just do whatever he wanted or, or you know, underperform and he would still be the opening day third baseman. They said he had to earn the spot and earn enough to keep it, right? Um, he still has to perform well enough to keep that uh, starting spot. And I just think when you throw in a, a pro- it's not like they're throwing in Adrian Sanchez, right? Uh, or, or Luis Garcia at third base. No, they're throwing in their everyday starting second baseman and an established veteran who only has 45 games to start over there. Because in their mind, they maybe they're thinking, all right, Castro can play third. What if Luis Garcia is our everyday second baseman or Josh Harrison is our everyday second baseman? Uh, and, and we don't have to start Carter Keebum. It just seems like they're tinkering a little bit. And to tinker this late in spring training, you tinker at the beginning of March. You don't tinker right before the beginning of April. Uh, so I think that that is definitely a sign. But let's listen to Davey Martinez and see what he had to say. He talked about this at length yesterday morning uh, before their uh, spring training game and with the lineup already out uh, that Starling Castro was playing third base. So here's Davey Martinez answering questions on his decision to start Starling Castro at third base and what it means for Carter Cuba moving forward. No, yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to get him some work over there. Um, he's taking some ground balls the last couple of days. I told him, let me know when he was ready. Uh, Talked to him yesterday. He said he wanted wanted to get over there, so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at him over there at third base. Um, don't, doesn't mean much. I mean, you know, as you know, Carter, uh, he's got to compete. So, but we you know we want to make sure. I want to make sure we cover all our bases that we get him over there uh, and see what that looks like. Um, I guess the question would be why now as opposed to earlier in the spring. Like when you get closer to the end, wouldn't you want to be looking at what you probably are gonna need a week from now? No, I mean. Hey, look, Starlin's played there before. He played 45 games there. He's comfortable, comfortable playing over there. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna let him go over there and see what it looks like. Uh, like I said, you know, um, we haven't made any decisions yet of what we want to do, but we need to do it. Uh, and um, you know, we got a week. Uh, I think it, it'll be adequate. Plus, like I said, he's taking ground balls there uh, in the mornings uh, along with second base, and then um, we'll see what it looks like. Jesse Dockery, Washington Post. When you when you say Carter has to compete, do you mean at this point of spring he still has to earn his spot? Yeah, I mean, and you know, he he knows that coming in here. Um, look, like I said, you know, I'm a Carter fan. 
uh, everybody knows that, you know, um, but he still has to go out there and, and, and do his job. And he knows that. So um, this doesn't mean anything. Like I said, we just want to see what this looks like right now. Um, you know, Carter's going to get opportunity to play third base. Uh, so, we'll, you know, we'll see how it looks like. And um, like I said, we got, this is the last week. So we got, we got to hone in on some things. No decisions have been made yet. Um, but we want to make sure that we take the 26 best guys uh, that we could possibly take. Do you want to have one third baseman, like an everyday guy, come April 1st? Would that be the Would that be your vision for this? Uh, I will. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a tough, tough position to be platooning people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to have one guy uh, that can play there every day. And but you and you see that as an open spot right now. Well, I see that as you know we're we're we're, we're just going to weigh all our options. You know, like I said, I mean, um, Carter's. We got a week. You know, so I want to see, you know, I thought this would be the opportunity to get Starlin over there and see what that looks like. And then we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens at the end. Davey Martinez standing by his decision to start Starlin Castro, at least give him a look uh, at third base and also stating that Carter Keepham has to earn his spot, uh, you know, and I mean, that's kind of what we just said, you know, it's, it's not that you are named the starter. It's you have to keep earning that spot and be consistently playing well enough to be deserving of being the everyday third baseman. And you mentioned his numbers earlier. Obviously the spring training numbers are, are not impressive at all. Uh, dating back to even last year and his previous major league experience, the numbers aren't there. Um, and again, in my mind, you don't make like you don't experiment with something like moving a veteran off his everyday spot to another position a week before opening day without having some sort of plan in mind that this might be what we're going to do moving forward if Carter Cubum can't get uh, offensive numbers up. When yeah, you have to know. I mean, you have to have some sort of plan. I mean, after last year, Carter Cubum's numbers after what he's the numbers he's put up over spring training, you have to have some sort of plan. I don't think that necessarily means that it's not going to be his job to start the season. Um, but they need to know who who can fill that fill that role if needed. So you get all the looks you can, and it, you know it's been almost a year and a half since Starlin Castro's played third base. Uh, end of 2019's the last time he's he he played over there. So you know, g- getting a feel for it, getting a, the team can get a look at it. You know, that's all you can do. But we'll see. Obviously, they they want a backup plan. Uh, I don't think that necessarily means he. Carter Keepum has lost the job because apparently it's taken this long for them to realize uh, that maybe maybe he's not up for it. But but it'll certainly be interesting to see uh, moving forward. Yeah, and in terms of who else can play third base, um, we're talking obviously talking about Sterling Castro. The forty-five games there, but another name that comes up is Josh Harrison, and Josh Harrison has sneakily had a fantastic spring training. He's hitting four oh nine over eleven games. His OPS is twelve thirty one. He's got two home runs. Uh, six RBIs, um, and, and you know he has extensive experience uh, at third base. Uh, he's played over 270 games at third base in his career. He played 10 last year uh, with the Nationals. He's made three appearances at third base so far this spring training and one start. Uh, so Josh Harrison is another name. Like you know, look, Starling Castro is over at third. We talked about that, but Josh Harrison. This is why the Nationals brought him back because he has versatility and veteran experience to bring to this lineup. You know that you can get. Maybe not outstanding, but decent offensive numbers from him um, from time to time, and he'll play solid defense, and that's more than what could be said for Carter Keebum at this point. Uh, and and so maybe that's what the Nationals are looking for, something a little more consistent, something more of a sure thing, 
because they can't. I mean, this is a team with high expectations this year, right, Amy? Like they are expecting to win uh, and, and compete for another uh, World Series this season. Uh, and I think that if, if they're going to do that, they can't just let Carter Keboom uh, labor at third base all season long and, and kind of drag this lineup along. They need pro- consistent offensive production from that spot in the lineup and, and good defense at third base. Um, and they're not getting from Keboom. Maybe Josh Harrison can provide more stability. Maybe starting Castro is more of a fit at third base. Maybe Luis Garcia has a, an opening to be second baseman. I don't know. Uh, but they are making some interesting moves just a week away from opening day, and uh, I think that's worth noting, especially when you should be, I'd, theoretically, giving Carter Keebum more reps to get better uh, over there. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and the thing is, we know this team has a history of getting off to a slow start, and we know in this division you can't really get off to a slow start. So you put Carter Keeboom in there as your starting third baseman, it's his job to lose, right? But then what happens when he can't, can't produce? He's not putting up the offensive numbers you want him to. He's an automatic out every time. Um, then you're, you're kind of getting off to a slow start, whereas you make the adjustments now. Maybe you realize that is not your guy, and you avoid that transition period. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but obviously that would be ideal if you want to get off to a hot start, which is going to be key for the Nationals. They can't just start like they always do, especially if they're going after another World Series, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And another name that's worth mentioning before we move on is uh, your dark horse guy, Hernan Perez. Uh, he has had a, a, a solid spring. He's made a couple of uh, start, uh, one start over at third base, excuse me, and he's played two games over there, but a 250 average over 15 games, an OPS over 560. He has seven hits and four RBIs. Um, so, you know, we talked about it a couple of times uh, in, in previous episodes uh, that Hernan Perez has impressed a lot so far in spring training. We know Dave Martinez really likes his versatility, um, he's definitely a candidate to crack this opening day roster as a backup player. Um, but if, you know, this Carter Cuban thing doesn't work out, he might become more valuable as a pinch hitter or as someone who can play both second and third, maybe even a little bit of short in a pinch. Uh, so uh, Perez is someone to keep an eye on, too, uh, in terms of, of a guy who could also play third base uh, if they needed him to. Yeah, just like we mentioned with Josh Harrison, I mean, the most important thing with your bench players is that they can play a lot of different positions. Um, They're very versatile, and that's what you get with Hernan Perez. I mean, he's had a pretty good spring. Uh, He can play third base, he can play middle infield, and he can play the outfield. Uh, So that gives you a whole lot of options off the bench, pitch hitting, so on and so forth, and that's the most important thing. Um, uh, Other guys who could play the infield who are still around, Jordy Mercer, Adrian Sanchez, but those are two guys who haven't really had a great spring, haven't really proven themselves that they're going to crack the opening day roster. Um, I think out of the, all of those options, Hernan Perez has had the best spring, um, put himself in the best position uh, to, to earn that bench spot. Yep. And be sure to comment along throughout the course of the episode, everyone on Facebook, YouTube, or even Twitter, wherever you are, uh, to give some shout outs to guys who are commenting along. Jeff Lubin says that Carter is a little too tight and tries too hard at their base. Um, Kyle Ashton is concerned that they'll give up on him and he'll realize his potential elsewhere. Uh, good to have Kyle back. I went back and forth with him on Twitter last week and uh, good to see him commenting. And Brendan Richardson, Harrison and Castro are both good fits for second or third base. And that kind of ties into our idea of like the more versatile you are, the more Dave Martinez is going to like you and want to play you. Uh, you know, we know Carter played a little shortstop when he first came up. He had, I think, played some second base in the minors before completely switching over to third base. Um, but you know, with guys like Castro, Harrison, and Perez who can play all over the infield, 
uh, they might have that leg up too, especially if Carter Keeboom is not producing um, offensively. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, that obviously was a big chunk of what we want to talk about. There are some other roster issues that we need to discuss too before opening day. The Another big one that came down uh, within the last 24 hours or so is relates to Eric Fetty. Uh, and Jesse Doherty reporting and um, our own Mark Zuckerman confirming that Eric Fetty no longer has that rare fourth option. And Amy, this is something that we talked about a lot uh, this offseason in spring training in terms of how this fourth option allows the Nationals to be more flexible with their starting pitching. And while we think that it gives Austin Voth a leg up over him to make the opening day roster, Joe Ross will be the fifth starter. Now without that option, an arbitrator uh, ruling in favor of Eric Fetty that he no longer has that option that that expired uh, during the 2020 season. Now Eric Fetty can't be sent down to the minors without first being exposed to waivers. And that puts the Nationals in a pickle if they want to keep guys like Voth, Ross, and Fetty uh, in the organization, and uh, they're, if they're not going to make the open day roster, if there's not a spot for them or uh, uh, something else, the Nationals are going to have to expose them and risk losing them um, in, in a year where they're going to be really pressed uh, to get and, and really want to have that depth in terms of starting pitching um, and, and maybe even long bullpen relief arms. Right. I mean, I would imagine that changing changes things, especially when you're you're looking at your opening day roster. Of course, things can change throughout the season. But if you have a guy who has that option, um, you're, you're kind of a lot more apt, even if maybe you see them earning the job in the future. When push comes to shove opening day, you're going to probably send them down. So I would imagine that changes things a little bit. Um, the bullpen's obviously a little less crammed, but if you're you're planning on keeping one of them stretched out and you still want them to be a starter and you want Eric Fetty to still be getting those reps, what they imagined at the AAA level, that's not going to be just that easy um, and, and simple as they imagined. So I don't know how much this influences things, um, but originally we thought Austin both had the leg up. Neither of them have really um, gone, gone off in spring training by any means, but... I don't really know now how that'll that'll end up shaking out. It's definitely a battle that's still going on and isn't as simple as we thought it was because of that extra that option. Yeah, and it's also going to tie into look. We we talked about Will Harris being out. Um, obviously, uh, Jeremy Jeffers. That's a spot that's open um, in in the bullpen. Um, that might open the door. I mean, in a weird way, that might open the door for Eric Fetty to make the roster if if. They don't anticipate Will Harris not only to not make the opening day roster, but be out for an unknown period of time. You know, they might that might allow them to keep Eric Fetty, and that that takes a normal bullpen spot. And we haven't even gotten to the aspect of do they keep a ninth reliever as opposed to just eight uh, because of the twenty six man roster. So, yeah, I mean, there. That's the thing, though. If if Eric Fetty is going to be on the roster, it's going to be in the bullpen, not in the rotation. And I would think the Nationals would want. If not one, both of guys, Foth and Fetty, pitching every five days, uh, just in case they need to do make a spot start, um, an emergency start. They, we know they've done it before, but you know, a, a bullpen arm and a, uh, uh, a everyday rotation arm are completely different. You know, you could pitch back to back days out of the bullpen. Uh, you could pitch long outings, short outings. Um, as a starter, you know that you're going to pitch every fifth day. You know you're going to try to go as far as you can, uh, and you don't have a, a limit or, or or one out or one inning, whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it definitely complicates things. Will Harris uh, being out might be the solution in terms of that's the spot that Eric Fetty fills. But then you're looking at a bullpen that's just Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, um, Tanner Rainey, Wander Suero, Kyle Finnegan, um, 
Austin Voth, and then there's two more spots. Do you keep uh, another? You get another lefty in there because Brad Hand's the only lefty. Do you add two more bullpens? Is Eric Fetty one of those spots? So um, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of plays out. And 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 Eric Fetty um, has pitched pretty decently so far in spring training this 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 year. Uh, Four games, seven innings. Uh, the ERA isn't quite there, but he's got more strikeouts than walks. We know that. I think that ERA is inflated by um, a, one of his earlier starts uh, in the spring training where he got knocked around a bit, but he's since calmed down uh, and has produced a little better over his last couple of outings. Uh, so, you know, it's not like he hasn't earned a spot or isn't going to earn it. It's just the way that now that his what he means that he can't be sent down is going to be the real question is and are the nationals willing to risk losing him uh or, or are they going to carry him uh and take a bullpen spot from somebody else a, a true bullpen arm yeah exactly and bullpens are so fluid throughout the season i mean what we see on opening day is going to change a lot and a lot of those other guys can come up and down and up and down uh so, so that'll be interesting to see whether they're willing to use up two of their bullpen spots with Austin Both and Eric Fetty. And we thought, I mean, we're assuming Austin Both is going to take up a spot in that bullpen, but who knows? Um, that'll that'll certain, certainly be interesting, interesting to see. Yeah. And in terms of names that are looking to try to get in, um, you know, Javi Guerra is a veteran arm that we know the Nationals like. Um, he was an on roster invitee, he's had a, a decent spring as well. Uh, and I would think if they want that veteran presence that they're going to lean that way in terms of another right-hander. It's not that Ryan Harper or Kyle McGowan haven't pitched well enough to make the roster. McGowan is actually having a stellar spring training. He's uh, struck out 10, hasn't given up a home run, uh, only one walk, and an ERA at 235 over seven and two-thirds innings. Um, Harper has an ERA under three as well, no home runs, 10 Ks. Uh, but Javi Guerra, I think, is that a veteran presence, right? They like his arm. Uh, they like he, he pitched really well with them. He eats up innings uh, back dating back to 2019. So he might have the leg up over those guys who uh, might be able to be sent down to the minors more often than not. And then if you're going to add another lefty arm, uh, Luis Avilon is coming on strong this spring training. And he's another veteran guy that the Nationals might like more uh, where they can option Sam Clay down to the minors and have him pitching in a more frequent outing. And then TJ McFarland, a non-roster invitee as a left-hander. Uh, probably doesn't make the cut. Not too great of a spring. He's got an ERA at three, but um, I, I would think that Avilon would have a, a step above um, uh, TJ McFarlane at this point. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right there. And the the problem with Javi Guerra is like, just like you said, he is that veteran presence. He's proved himself. He's been around a while, but Ryan Harper has really had a great spring. And like you mentioned, Kyle McGowan too, both 10Ks. Uh, Ryan Harper's only walked two and given up three hits. So they're both having really good springs. So then they're, they're in, there's some real competition. Um, opening day, just because, you know, they're not on the opening day roster, which neither of them most likely will be because they can be sent up and down, uh, doesn't mean we, we won't be seeing them. So I think that's a competition that we'll, we'll continue to see uh, throughout the whole season. But as far as lefties go, Luis Avalon, probably the most likely out of those other two. But we do know that the the organization's kind of high on Sam Clay. So it'll be interesting. TJ McFarland, probably definitely the the last one um, as far as lefties go with those options. Yeah, and, and the Sam Clay, the, the good thing about him is that he has not made his major league debut yet, and they gave him a major league contract. So that means he still has all his options available to him. So he's optionable. He can go down to the minors. Kyle McGowan can as well. Um, I'm not quite sure about Ryan Harper, but I would 
think that he's not in danger of leaving the organization. I think we would hear a lot more if he were. Um, but yeah, loose. I've, and, and it's just a matter of how, I mean, not to keep adding on to, you know, the conversation of adding or structuring the bullpen in terms of, um, of Fetty and Voth, but you know, are they going to want that another lefty? Because I would think, like we said, Harper and McGowan have earned a spot, but they're not left-handed. Um, and the only lefty would be Brad hand. And you would, I would think that the nationals would want at least one more left-handed guy in there. Um, and that they they would want just in case. I mean, I know matchups aren't as important now with the batter, with the minimum batter uh, rule implemented. Um, but going throughout the course of the season, especially starting the season with just one left-hander, not to mention the left-handers are going to face uh, early on in the season. You got Pete Alonso with the Mets. You got Freddie Freeman with the Braves. You've got you know the almost the entire Dodger lineup is aside from Justin Turner is left-handed. Um, so. You're, you're going to face some tough lefties in the start of the season, so you might want more than just Brad Hand in that bullpen uh, uh, being able to get out uh, some left-handed batters. And then you have to think about how healthy your starting pitching is, and maybe you want some longer arms out of the bullpen too, and maybe that does put some more value on keeping both Eric Fetty and Austin both in there uh, to start the season. Uh, but like you did mention, a lot of off days towards the start of the season, you would have that day after opening day in case of rain out. That gives you some flexibility, and maybe keeping all of those those relievers and long relievers won't be as important. Um, towards the beginning of the season, but it's definitely something to consider and it'll definitely impact how they construct the bullpen towards the beginning of the season. We're going to see it change a ton, but as far as competition goes to crack that opening day roster, I would imagine the health of your starting pitching is really important. Um, who has options, who has, who doesn't, uh, will factor in. And in an ideal world, I mean, like, you know, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, and John Lesser all go like seven innings each, and then you're just going huts in hand to close out the game, and then you get Joe Ross hopefully going like six or seven, and you can maybe add a couple more bullpen arms, and then you mentioned the off days, you know, um, then you, you have got some rested guys back there. You can afford to give hand and Harris, uh, well, Hudson actually instead of Harris, uh, days off uh, here and there. But, you know, of course, that's not how it always goes. You got to be prepared for everything, and I would think the Nationals would want to be prepared to have another lefty in that bullpen, aside from just Brad Hand, uh, especially with the lineups that they're going to be facing early on uh, in the season. Um, one more roster topic to get through before we get out of here, Amy, and this is kind of being forced upon us and David Martinez. I'm glad I don't have to make this decision. This is on David Martinez, but you know, do you carry a fifth bench player or a ninth relieving arm? Um, that kind of ties into the conversation we just had, but. You know, Yadiel Hernandez is making a strong push for this roster. And, you know, I it's going to be interesting to see how how his production so far in spring training factors into do they give him a shot and put him on the opening day roster. You also have to consider Gerardo Parra. We know how much the Nationals and Navy Martinez love having him in the clubhouse. But, you know, with the way that the roster is constructed, we know who the catchers are going to be, right? Uh, Alex Avila is going to be your backup catcher. We know the infield. Uh, you got Ryan Zimmerman backing up first base. You're going to have, uh, we talked about probably Josh Harrison backing up somewhere or, or Luis Garcia in the infield. And then in the outfield, it's Andrew Stevenson. Do you carry that extra arm, not knowing that you've got a bullpen or not knowing how your starters are going to go? Or do you carry that fifth, uh, bench player because Yadiel Hernandez is having himself a hell of a spring. 
Right. I know. I remember we were talking about players to keep an eye on through spring training. We brought up Yadio Hernandez. I think you were kind of like, yeah, I don't really know. But then he kind of went off this spring and that makes things complicated. I mean, that's a really good thing for Davey Martinez. You want competition. You want these players kind of out, out showing themselves uh, so that they're fighting for a roster spot. But it does complicate things because you don't know how healthy your pitching is. Maybe there is some value in carrying that extra arm in the bullpen at the beginning of the season. But then you also have to remember, you know, you're you're in the National League. Uh, relievers don't really hit. You're going to need some pinch hitters. Uh, you need guys who can play a lot of different positions. Um, and I think the thing with Yadiel Hernandez, as far as Davey Martinez is concerned, is he can't play really play center field. He's yeah. working on the speed um and improving there certainly uh but i think that's what comes down to for david martinez i mean he's he's had a heck of a spring and he's certainly making case for himself at the plate uh but you also have to be able to to sub in in a lot of different positions as far as outfield is concerned be able to play all three and he hasn't really shown that he can do that um which is unfortunate because he has really hit the ball this spring. Yeah, I mean, the OPS of 12-20, he's got two home runs, five RBIs. He's hitting 481 over 17 games, and that's not a small sample size. 17 games is a good chunk of time, um, and he's almost walking as many times as he's striking out, too, so he's getting on base um, at a 516 clip. So he's getting on base more than half the time than he's not, which is very impressive. Um, and you mentioned not being able to play center field. That is uh, obviously a great point and, and a huge factor in, in, in the decision-making, but also the fact that he's left-handed. Um, only Victor Robles is the non, the only non-left-handed uh, hitting outfielder at this point if Yadiel or Gerardo Parra were to make this roster. Juan Soto, um, uh, Kyle Schwarber, and Andrew Stevenson all hit left-handed. I don't know how much that, that factors into whether or not they get spots, but like you said, if they're going to be pinch-hitting, you that's Ryan Zimmerman might be your only right-handed pinch-hitter. Um, maybe Josh Harrison, um, and then you've got all outfielders pretty much left-handed except for Victor Robles. So I don't know how much that factors in. It's got to factor in a little bit, I would think, Amy, um, but it's something definitely – it's got to be considered a little bit because you want a little more versatility, right? You want to have more options uh, in case the opposing team brings in a left-hander. You want a right-hander to go up against them, um, stuff like that. Right. So uh, I, I, not being able to play center field and being left-handed might be going against Yala Hernandez, but what he has going for him are obviously those numbers and he can play both corner outfield spots. And I think the nationals really like this guy. He's a great story, a career minor leaguer making his debut last year. Um, and um, he's, he's proving that he, he can probably play at this level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and usually the conversation is, Oh, like that could be a, a left-handed hitter off the bench, but with this roster right now, uh, they have so many, especially with it, filling their bench spots. Um, and then you have Gerardo Parra, who's still around. I mean, he really has, we haven't seen him this spring because he's coming back from that knee injury. Um, but he's a guy who was so important to this clubhouse and obviously important enough to at least get an invite to spring training, come back, try to make the opening day roster. Um, and, and he could be a potential fifth outfielder option. Obviously, we haven't seen him this spring and not super likely. But going into it, let's say he's healthy, you probably would have thought that he had a leg up being around this team before, being such a key piece in that World Series team that he was. And then don't forget Yasmani Tomas, who we've talked about, yep. um, who's hit the ball this spring as well. Um, seven hits, but he has had 11 strikeouts. So, so that's important. Uh, he, he struck out a good bit of the time. Um, so I don't know if he's really earned a spot in that, that fifth outfielder role 
also. But then, like we were talking about, Hernan Perez can play the outfield as well as the infield. So maybe that gives you you kind of an option if he were to earn a bench spot as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And what you do with Roger Parra is going to be interesting. I I would think that, I mean, of course, he can't be optioned down to the minors. He would be, be exposed to waivers and then have to accept a minor league assignment to stay in the organization if he does not make the roster. The injury doesn't help. But in a sense, that might make other teams not want to pick him up right away. Um, I I would guess right now the Nationals and Parra, Parra likes being here, uh, both have a mutual interest in each other, and I don't think he would gain much interest from any other clubs. So that's something that I think could be in their favor where they could feel like they could probably risk him and keep him in the organization at some point um, and then have him come up um, in need be and play in the minor leagues. I don't know. I, I, I can see that playing out pretty easily, but um, – uh, you know, what you do with Yadiel, that's probably the same thing, too. I mean, I, I think Yadiel Hernandez can't just be straight up optioned uh, to the minor leagues, but maybe he can. I, I say that because he's so much older than a normal minor leaguer. Um, but right. And then Yasmani Tomas, he was a non-roster invitee, too, so he's not even on the 40-man. So he would need to be able to uh, expose and accept uh, an outright uh, minor league invitation. But... All those questions will be resolved in a couple of days. We'll know the answers uh, probably at least a week from now. Um, have a much more clear view of this opening day roster. Um, and uh, and uh, we'll break down the entire 2021 season uh, next week with our last spring training episode uh, of uh, 2021 spring training. And we'll, we'll be uh, previewing the entire regular season, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I know it's exciting. It's the final countdown, Bobby. Uh, so things things are getting going here. We're not going to be talking about uh, off-season business anymore. It's going to be game action. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, be sure to tune in next week, uh, same time, same place. Uh, it'll probably be Tuesday or Wednesday uh, around noonish. Uh, before we'll have a be sure to get a podcast in right before opening day, uh, so you can watch, tune in, or uh, listen on your own before the Nationals take on the Mets on Thursday night at seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Amy, thanks so much for joining in. Be sure to give her a follow uh, at Amy Jennings News on Twitter. Amy, thanks so much for your time. See you next week. All right. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Mass and All Access podcast. Like I said, we are going to be having uh, an episode next week that will preview the entire season. We're going to look at the roster. We're going to look at the opponents. We're going to make predictions, all that stuff for uh, the regular season uh, and what's sure to be an exciting time. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get uh, the Mass. Find the Mass and All Access podcast. Uh, that's where you should be subscribing, liking, and sharing. Um, I really appreciate all the comments today. A lot of good comments on both Facebook and YouTube. Uh, so really appreciate you guys tuning in and spreading the word. Uh, hold your breath. Uh, eight days away. Opening day is so soon. Uh, it's, it's here. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's going to be a, a fun, entertaining season, and we're going to carry you throughout the way. Of course, stay tuned on MassInSports.com. As well, I'm Bobby Blanco at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Be sure to give me a follow too. I'll have a bunch of content for you throughout the course of the regular season. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and we will talk to you next week, right before the start of the season.